Welcome to the Curious Podcast, where we are constantly in the process of getting to the bottom of shit. In this episode, we will be discussing how someone was caught committing a serious crime because his hand was caught on the video footage. This isn't just about one case though. Today, we will discuss how a suspect's hand opened up a new way of solving crime. Our story starts with Professor Sue Black. At the time, she was a professor at the University of Dundee's Department of Anatomy and Forensic Anthropology. The professor had been in the field for a number of years and even been awarded an OBE by the Queen for her outstanding work in the field. For anyone outside the UK that doesn't know what an OBE is, it's basically an award of recognition the Queen gives you and you get some shitty medal and some pictures with her and it's a little mini ceremony. After that you can put OBE at the end of your name because it's also an official title given to you by Elizabeth herself. And I didn't even go to look up what OBE stands for before this episode, as I told myself I would, so clearly I'm not a true Brit. Professor Black is an expert in the forensic and computer sciences, which later led to her being involved in a lot of strange and unusual cases. Most of the time, this was due to her expertise being in high demand, so people would contact her often. In 2006, she got an interesting call from Nick Marsh, a forensic photographer who needed her help in a sexual abuse case involving a young teenage girl. Nick and Sue worked together almost 20 years ago, so he knew the level of her work. Nick really wanted Sue involved in this. The professor was known to be an expert in identifying people just from parts of flesh and bone, but Marsh wasn't asking her to identify a dead body. In this case, the victim claimed that her father came into her bedroom every night to molest her. They had one piece of evidence which was an 8 second video clip filmed from the girl's webcam as wired.co.uk reported. Quote, Marsh had been working on a case involving a teenage girl who had alleged that her father had been coming into her bedroom at night to molest her. When her mother refused to believe her, the girl left her webcam running all night, pointed at her bed. The camera captured a person's hand and forearm touching her. Her father denied that he was the person in the video. It was one of the spookiest and scariest things I have ever seen, explained Sue Black. A real sort of horror movie. End quote. The mother not believing the daughter does not surprise me though. There's a lot of women that take their husband's side over their own children because they don't want to be alone. There's obviously some cases where the child could be fabricating the story, but to just dismiss such a huge accusation is definitely neglectful and shitty parenting. Adding to this, the young girl had to take matters into her own hands and film the suspect in the act using her webcam. Some people really shouldn't have kids. This proved to be a significant piece of evidence in the case, which ended up going to trial. So who was the mystery man in the video, and how did they end up being able to use the clip in court? Remember, the professor had only ever worked on cases that were about identifying corpses 
and partial remains. Sue had never done anything to identify a living person on video before, so at first she had no idea what to do. When Mark had contacted her asking for help with this case, she was a bit taken aback to say the least, but Mark was confident that if anyone was able to crack the case, it was Sue Black. That meant identifying this mystery hand. The father claimed to be innocent the entire time, so they would need to prove it was his hand without a doubt in order for the evidence to stand alone in court. There would also be a jury, so they would need convincing. Sue was dumbfounded at first as she analysed video footage over and over again. The video did not show much as it was filmed in the dead of night. It was hard enough to make things out, but even harder to figure out where to start with this. Sue persisted and made a breakthrough. Quote, but after studying the footage, Black noticed something that had escaped her before. The veins on the back of the man's hand were visible. In the dark, the camera had reverted to infrared mode, and in those conditions, the deoxygenated blood in veins show up as black lines. Black, an expert in anatomy, knew that hand vein patterns are unique from person to person, even in identical twins. She asked the police to take photographs of the father's hand and forearm. The vein patterns matched, end quote. You can identify people by their veins. I too learnt something new this episode. Veins are said to be as unique as fingerprints, each person's vein pattern being very distinct from hand to hand. In fact, vein patterns are an even more accurate way to identify someone compared to fingerprints. This is because some people get really creative and shave or cut a layer or two of the skin on their fingertips to evade identification which I've always thought was a pretty smart idea. If I ever became a huge drug lord, I would probably cut my fingertips to make sure that I'd never be caught or identified, but I would never become a drug lord, so this is why I'm sharing that. With veins, you can't cut or change anything unless you want to bleed out and die. It's that simple. Identifying living people in this way was cutting edge, to say the least. Nobody had considered this method till Sue was presented with this case. It could easily be a breakthrough in solving cases involving paedophilia and sexual abuse where suspects film videos of themselves and a victim but are very careful to never show their face. Who needs to identify someone by seeing their face when their hand is in a video with a unique vein pattern that nobody else in the world has? They even discussed this in a paper from the International Journal of Computer Science and Information Technologies. The paper is titled Identifying Paedophiles by Visualizing Vein Patterns from Color Images. In the paper they say, quote, Personal identification is a critical process in forensic investigation. Significant research effort has been expanded to develop face, fingerprint, palm vein, DNA and dental identification systems. These systems are regularly used by law enforcement agents around the world. However, they are not applicable in cases where only partial non-facial skin of criminals or victims is observable in photographic evidence or digital images. Sex offences against children are among these cases. Paedophiles are usually careful not to show their faces in images for fear of identification. 
The problem of child pornography is increasing because of the proliferation of such material electronically and the lack of effective identification technology. The US Customs Service estimated that 100,000 websites offer child pornography. Development of effective methods to identify paedophiles based on images of partial skin is an essential measure to stop child sexual exploitation. End quote. And I couldn't agree more. I think that was probably a motivating factor for Sue and why she did indeed decide to take Mark up on his offer. Child porn is everywhere and becoming a huge problem online and offline. Adults are sharing indecent images and video of kids every single day all over the world and a lot of these videos are of adults sexually abusing children on camera. Those adults are currently unidentified because this technology of identifying a person using vein patterns isn't commonly used. It's barely used and at this point it's archaic to only rely on fingerprints, facial recognition and the like. There needs to be more of a focus on being able to identify a criminal just from their hand or another body part. Sue appeared in court in front of a judge and jury who had never heard of identifying a person using their veins. It was going to be hard to convince people of this being the real deal. Sue was even told by the judge to first explain in layman's terms how this technology actually worked. The thing is, the vein pattern matched. It was the father that was coming into the girl's room every night and abusing her. It was just a case of convincing a bunch of strangers that the father did in fact sexually abuse his daughter. Quote, Still, it was strong evidence and the prosecuting barrister expected the father to be found guilty. However, he was acquitted. I asked the barrister if there was something we had done wrong or something in the science that I had not been able to convey, Black recalls. She said, no, there was no problem with the science. The jury had just not believed the girl. They thought she didn't seem upset enough. Black was dumbfounded. End quote. I remember personally when I was reading about this case and I was so disgusted to find out that this father was acquitted because the jury just didn't buy that he did it. This is why I believe there needs to be more rigorous systems in place when picking people for jury duty because it seems that they just find any low IQ idiot to do it and I'm sick of it. I've never had jury duty but that's also because I don't vote and I'm not I think on a system so there's that. But anyway I'm not going to dwell on this too much but since when was emotion an indicator of something actually happening or not? I've seen people that can cry on the spot and they're completely lying. Displays of emotion don't mean shit when evidence is involved. This was 2006 and though that case didn't go as expected, people could see this technology was and in fact still is groundbreaking. This led to other groups and organisations to seek out the expertise of Professor Sue Black. RT reports, quote, in 2014, Greater Manchester Police enlisted the help of forensic anthropologist Dame Professor Sue Black in an effort to solve a child rape case. The crime in question involved sick footage found on a computer belonging to Manchester man Jeremy Oketch. The video showed a man with his face obscured abusing a two-year-old girl. While police investigators were sure that when they first questioned Oketch in July 2014, he was the perpetrator, officers feared that without an admission of guilt, 
he could walk free, end quote. And he would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for Sue Black. The police were in a tough position where all roads led to one man and they were 1000% sure that it was him, but they lacked solid evidence that could secure them a conviction. The police had to follow the law and conduct a fair investigation just like they would with anyone else. I guess if they're not corrupt police that does happen, but that's another story and another episode. They really needed something that would link him to the video without a shadow of a doubt, as soon the suspect would be a free man if they didn't have anything else. Pictures of the suspect's hands were taken whilst he was in custody and handed over to Sue and her team to analyse. It was a match. The same man in the video was indeed the same man they had in a holding cell. Greater Manchester Police finally had their man and the evidence to go with it. This particular case was even documented in a BBC documentary that some of you may have seen or heard of called How a Paedophile's Hands Led to His Conviction. If you haven't seen the documentary and are interested about hearing the process of identifying a suspect in this way as I did, the link is in the source material below. I won't totally spoil it for you guys, but in the documentary, Sue says, quote, the chances of you being able to link them before have been close to zero, but now you might be able to get to a point of being able to track where these perpetrators have been going around the world. End quote. RT News also reported on that case, quote, In Oketch's case, dark pigment under his ring fingernail, as well as an indentation on one of his hands, were key to the rapist changing his plea to guilty ahead of trial. Oketch was sentenced to 15 years in March 2015 for the rape of the child, with the Greater Manchester Police issuing a statement that he, quote, deserves every second he will spend in jail, end quote. I mean, obviously he deserves every second he spends in jail. I don't know why police always say stupid, obvious shit that we all think, but the real truth is these people deserve death. Over the last decade, there has been a dramatic growth in cyber sex crimes against children. Children in third world and even first world countries are being abused online for the sexual gratification of paedophiles that are mainly based in western countries such as the UK, US and Canada, where the demand is the most high. These paedophiles are paying customers, which offers a strong incentive for those filming the abuse to continue to upload and share. RT News reported on a disturbing incident relating to the even more disturbing phenomena. Quote, in a rescue mission last week, nine children aged between two and nine were rescued by Filipino authorities. It followed a referral by police in Canada after a Canadian man was found paying a woman in the Southeast Asian country to exploit the children. The woman was caught while offering to perform sexual acts on her eight-year-old daughter for the paedophile. She also alleged to have offered to perform acts on a three-month-old child. The baby, however, was not found during the rescue operation. The suspect, who is not believed to have been poor, is also alleged to have offered to abuse children of any age and do so until they cried in pain. End quote. I actually have an episode about the dark web and crimes committed online. It's episode 13, Dark Web Horrors, and 
I say that because one of the most disturbing stories I came across in that episode was also in the Philippines. It seems that country is a hotspot for child exploitation for the satisfaction of men from western countries. The most sad thing itself is some of this is fueled or a lot of this is fueled by money and even involves some kids parents, the people that are supposed to protect them from this. I just wanted to shed light on how rife the issue is. The internet still remains the wild west in some sense because large groups are able to facilitate these types of things and then money is even being exchanged. Then there's other sickos that are caught just filming abuse of children that they are carrying out themselves for their own satisfaction. A lot of the general public think these types of people are incels that live in their mum's basement, but a lot of these paedophiles look very unremarkable, like someone you'd walk past on the street and completely not notice, which means they are pretty much everywhere. The technology Sue Black has introduced to identify faceless paedophiles is amazing, and I wish it was used more as currently, in the present day, very few cases have used this method of identification. This is because it's usually very difficult to use vein patterns in evidence images for forensic identifications, as they are nearly invisible in colour images. However, scientists have proposed ways around this such as creating an algorithm that will visualise vein patterns. I'm not sure how that would work, but it sounds very futuristic and cool. If this algorithm were to take off, law enforcement and other agencies would easily be able to use this method. It could even change the internet. Child porn has been growing at an alarming rate because police are never able to identify the adults in the videos. If suddenly police could identify you from your hand, arm or leg, this would destroy that sordid industry as people would be more afraid of being caught. As I said before, they all deserve death. Thanks for listening guys, I really appreciate it. If you're into the strange, morbid or curious, I'll see you in the next episode. Stay safe, stay curious, for real.